Hey everybody, you're listening to the How to Have Threesomes podcast. I'm Key. And I'm Lily. We've been together for seven years in a relationship style we call monogamish. This podcast is going to give you everything you need to build a stronger relationship with your partner, create healthy boundaries, and communicate honestly. We're going to help you have fun, safe, sexy adventures and have the best threesomes of your life. Ready? Here we go. You. Before we jump into the episode today, we wanted to tell you that the How to Have Threesomes video course is now open for enrollment. We have spent years working on this project and are so, so excited to share it with you. In this course, we teach you all of our secrets for finding your ideal unicorn, from navigating dating apps and play parties to forming connections with friends and with professionals. Regardless of your experience level, this video course is full of actionable tips, tricks, and worksheets, like the needs list, kinky questionnaire, and what makes a high-converting Tinder bio. We show you how to express your deepest desires without destroying a relationship, plus how to maintain excitement with your partner. If you want to have the best threesomes of your life, this is the video course for you. We are now also offering coaching for people who want that individual attention. Some of the best money we ever spent was on a professional to help guide us through our challenging times. And not every therapist is trained to navigate non-monogamy, so if you and your partner want some extra support in these tricky situations, we're here for you guys. Another thing that we're offering is a sexy getaway. Come and spend a week with us on a tropical island. We're going to take you on some amazing experiences like hiking waterfalls, partner acro, fire dancing, and some crazy party nights. We've also teamed up with experts to bring you workshops in Tantra, Shibari, trust building, and pickup. Plus, personalized photo shoots to show off the best version of yourself online. By the end of the retreat, you'll be more confident, have a better connection with your partner, and a deeper understanding of your desires. This retreat will be a bunch of wild and sexy times, and we're stoked to bring you guys out here. We're offering the video course and the coaching on teachable.com. If you want more details about the couples retreat, we have a form you can fill out. All the links will be available in the show notes or on the How to Have Threesomes Instagram. You guys are also welcome to reach out to us directly for coaching or anything else you might need. And now, back to the episode. Hey guys, we're back. Today we have bestest new friend Jenna, who we met the other night at a friend's house here in LA. Um, I think I cried the first time I met her, but it's because I love her. It was a good night. It was a very good night. Um, and in the circle, one of our friends was like, you guys, you guys should talk. You have similar interests. And I wasn't sure what he meant. And then now I know what he means. Who are you? What do you do? Why is this happening? Uh, well, my name is Jenna, uh, and I am a holistic sexologist and a yoga teacher trainer. So I actually didn't know that about you guys either, and we've met several times now, and I was a bit surprised. You were like, oh, you should be on my podcast. I think our podcast listeners would be really interested. And I was like, really? Like, okay. You know, I know you guys do, like, circus-type stuff, and I was like, I don't know what that has to do with what I do, but okay. Sexy and then you, circus. And then you sent me the link, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I listened to your intro about being monogamish, and I was like, this is like my dream, like this, is, I've used the term monogamish for years, and I've never heard anyone else use ah. it, and I was so excited, so I'm stoked to be here. Is, is that like the term that you would define yourself as? Generally, now? yeah, oh. anytime I'm like talking with, you know, someone who's like, what are you looking for, and I'm like, monogamish, Monog big yeah. quotes around that, I want to yeah. get like, we should have merch someday, just monogamish tribe, yeah, I don't know, Damn. no one's gonna know what that what, means. What is a holistic sexologist? So, it's... It's a sex coach, but I'm really coming from a perspective of, you know, addressing issues in the bedroom, in the bedroom only, is not as productive as really focusing on how you're living your life. Because if you are the type of person that is always go, 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 and like get stuff done, it's going to be, that's how you're going to be in the bedroom. I feel right? called out. <laughs> If you're like, we need to get attack. to the orgasm, like, we need to do the thing. So, Shit. The, the holistic sexologist is just someone who's looking at the whole picture and, like, okay, tell me 
you know, what's your job like? What's your, you know, friends like? Tell me, you know, do you do six things at once every day? Um, and that way you take like a whole perspective <laughs> and you're able to like really work on like a better sex life from that perspective. How did you become this? Did you go through school? Is this no, so it's, it's a long story, but the short version is I taught yoga for eight years. Well, at this point it's been 10 years. But um, I'd been teaching and I was always really focused on anatomy, biomechanics, physiology. I taught more alternatives. So I specialized in anatomy and I worked a lot with bodybuilders, with CrossFit people, with powerlifters, like that, like I worked at fire stations. So like wow. really more like, like I'll say like the physical side of, of what's going on in our body and, and the physical side of yoga. And then I experienced a sexual trauma about... I think it's just over five years ago now, and it really messed up my ability to be intimate. Mm -hmm. And so I had all this physical knowledge, and I was like, okay, I'm going to contract these muscles to do this, and that's going to fix it, and it, it just wouldn't fix. Your mind gets in the way. You're like, fuck, I should be able to do this. <laughs> Turns out there's more to it than just, like, Ugh. biomechanics. So then it made me, like, really have to step back and reevaluate everything I thought I knew about sex. And it really helped me relearn things and, and understand a foundation that most of us never actually go back and learn. So I was still teaching yoga and I started to offer more pelvic floor work. So not necessarily as a sexologist, but just as a yoga teacher sharing about the pelvic floor. Um, and then that kind of evolved and evolved and eventually it came to a point where what I was doing was sex coaching and I was like, I can't keep calling it yoga for pelvic floor, if really what this is, is sex coaching. So that's how I made that transition. Would you say that you're completely healed from that trauma? Like, did this help you to recover from it? Oh, yeah. Um, I really struggle with that, like completely healed. I would say about a year ago, I had this weird flashback, and it's the only flashback I've ever had in my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I would say yes, and I think that we all carry, you know, like it's like scars, right? It, it doesn't really hurt you anymore, but you definitely know it's still there. Aware of it. Um, I have a question for our beautiful humans out there who don't even know what a pelvic floor is. Oh, yeah. All of you non-vagina <laughs> having humans. What is a pelvic floor? Because actually, wait, I'm so curious. Key, do you know what a pelvic floor is? I do not know. Is it in the pelvis? It is, it is in the pelvis. It is the pelvis. Is it like, is it your a plus. I don't know. You say gut health? I'm not gut. It's, like, it's no. like gut health. It's, it's related. Okay. So, so if he doesn't know, I think everyone else is screwed. Probably. Yeah. So that's another thing. Um, I think you guys, we have a few mutual friends. And one of my mutual friends was like, you've got to stop calling yourself a pelvic floor therapist because I don't even know what a pelvic floor is. So I have no idea what you're doing. So basically, your torso is like an egg right? You have your abdominals that wrap around the front and they feed into the low back, right? And then at the top, like the top part of the egg, we'll say for this is the thoracic diaphragm, your breathing muscle, right? And then at the bottom of the egg is the muscles that make up your pelvic floor. So your pelvis comes down and it has this like kite-like shape created at the bottom. And that's the space where if you didn't have muscles there, basically your organs would fall out, right? Yeah. And in that kite type shape, there's like a lot of different musculature and it's designed to, it's an accessory breathing like musculature. So it, it assists your thoracic diaphragm. It obviously helps with elimination anytime you're going to the toilet or um, mm -hmm. PMS for women. And it's, you know, the space of like our, our vaginal opening, the vulva. So the, do men have pelvic floors yeah. too? 
Oh, I did not know that. And now it's... I'm ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just the muscles, like, in our cervix area? No. Shit. No, it's all the muscles. Because everybody, if we didn't have those muscles at the bottom, everything would fall out, right? Yeah, you like just have, like, loose pelvis. skin holding up your, mm. like, bowels and intestines and that kind yeah. of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of a weird look, I feel like. <laughs> so, no, that's the musculature that holds it all up. And it's really important for sex, obviously, and for your ability to fully experience orgasm. And the thing is, is we generally don't ever think of this area until something goes wrong. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about it is because, you know, we can do so much to keep it healthy and, and it, you know, the benefits are better orgasms. Like who doesn't want better orgasms, right? Yeah. So. World peace through orgasms. <laughs> and I write that, so things like childbirth then could like cause trauma to the muscles yeah. or are there any like extreme sports that are bad for it? Like gymnasts or contortionists, do you know? Like horseback riders. Horseback, horseback riders, riders, definitely. Really? Um, cyclists. So anything that puts yeah. like a lot of pressure on like the yeah. underside of your pelvis can... Yeah, and honestly, like bad habits. So um, like you think about Cosmo magazine, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, five tips to make him harder or five tips to like blow his mind. And it's like all these like squeeze your, squeeze your do kegels basically, yeah. right? The and clinch. if you think about it, like you guys know this in your own bodies, if all you ever do is contract muscles, but you never relax them or you never mm -hmm. stretch them, then they don't end up super healthy. So a lot of women yeah. end up like, you know, right. every time we hear the word Kegel or we think about like having sex, we start like contracting in there. So you end up with these like muscles that are just like permanently in a contracted and position. Like cramped and seized up and. Yeah, and it limits yeah. like orgasmic potential. So seems like it's worth. Okay guys, we're, gonna, we're stretching our, our insides. <laughs> how, do you, how do you stretch a pelvic floor? What, um, I think the easiest way to do it is like sitting on like a pillow like this, like ball it up and then just sit on it so your sit bones are on either side and just mm -hmm. take really deep breaths because every time you breathe in a neutral spine, the pelvic floor goes down. So if you have a pillow, when you exhale, the pillow will go up and like push to get a little mm -hmm. bit of a stretch. Yeah, in the same way, like if you, you know, if you lay on a pillow on your belly, it does that same, like you get that like kind of pushing, kind of pushing in. in. Yeah, it's the same thing from the bottom start using some pillows when we're working out. So do you work with men as well? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's really interesting with men because often, like I call it something else because the pelvic floor usually falls on deaf ears. So it's like usually it shows up, you know, pelvic floor issues or um, a hard time like maintaining erection or coming too early or lack of libido. That can also be something as a yeah. result. Like there's all kinds of interesting things. Yeah. Why does no one teach us about this? I have no idea. I don't know. But sometimes I'm like, I will have a job until I die because we keep not teaching anyone about all these things. Well, I'm kind of shook because I'm supposed, I, like, usually I'm the person that people have the questions because right, my mom was a sex educator and I'm the one who's like, SEDs, condoms, yeah. boundaries, here's your parts, here's all the technical names. I didn't fucking know what it was. <laughs> so, like... I didn't know men had them. <laughs> Damn. Okay, so we both have some homework to do. Yeah. I mean, you could do, sure. like, massages for that area, like, um, under, like, really dramatic circumstances. If they're recovering from an injury, like, massages can be really beneficial as well. Oh. I mean, like, the pillow is, like, the easiest go-to, but, like, actual massaging that area yeah. feels pretty epic. Are there, like, videos online, or do you have tutorials? Like, if people wanted to watch, like, a follow-along morning pelvic floor stretch video. Wow, I have never thought about this. Ever. So this is going to be her new niche, guys. That's right. Check out her channel <laughs> yeah. for pelvic floor Yeah, openers. stand by for upcoming content. <laughs> that is such a good idea. Um, 
What are some myths that you hear a lot that you wish would just fucking go away? Uh, the Kegel myth. The Kegel is my least favorite. So the Kegels were created by Dr. Kegel. And if you've never heard of it before, a Kegel contraction, often it's described as like you have to go pee and you stop it. So I've even heard it described so much as like when you go to the bathroom, you should contract to stop the flow of urine to like engage this muscle. I've done that before. Is that bad? <laughs> I read it in a magazine once and I'm like, okay, you're going to have so much better sex after we have this conversation. I just want you to know. <laughs> Let's go. Let's so again, go. looping back to that, like if all you're ever doing is contracting. So the thing is, is that this was all created, like Dr. Kegel, I want to say was mid 19th century. So was I want to say, of course it was. Because for a long uh, time, like I'm going to say 50 years ago was the first time they let women into like gynecology school. Like my friend's dad remembers the first time they let a woman become an OBGYN. That's insane. Uh, That's the, like in, uh, in our parents' lifetimes, you know? So of course it was a man. <laughs> for those of you who can't see my face, I am shooketh that only <laughs> old, probably white dudes were allowed to actually study coochies, which is why we like didn't know what the whole clitoris organ looked like. Yes. Like we've gone to the moon and the bottom of the ocean before we knew what the vagina <laughs> was made out of. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Devastating. Okay, so it was made by yeah, some okay. old dude. So, but, and the reason, like originally he was trying to help women who were suffering from incontinence, right? Okay. They, were, they were peeing when they jumped or postpartum, this happens quite often. And his idea was like, oh, if they can engage these muscles, it'll stop happening. Now, the amount of stress women in that era were experiencing mm -hmm. versus the amount of stress that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis now is dramatically different. Mm -hmm. So we have way more tension in our bodies and our society today versus what we would have had in the 40s or 50s or 60s. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I can't remember the date this came out, but it was in that era. So he had success in his patients so somehow it just like caught on. And here we are all these years later and people are like, oh, this is the answer. And it's really not. It's actually really causing a lot of problems. Um, when I was working with power lifters, one of the main thing is that when women lift heavy, often they pee. I have seen those videos on Instagram and I'm always like, damn, they're going so hardcore. Like it, it kind of is scary, but also looks kind of impressive that like if yeah. you're just clenching that hard, they're like pissing themselves during competition. They don't even budge. Yeah, they like, don't, they don't even blink. It's just like, yeah. it's just a thing. I remember the quote, she's like, I'd rather piss myself than drop this deadlift. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, so the cool thing is, once you learn to control your pelvic floor muscles, um, you, you actually PR your deadlift. Because if you imagine, again, back to that egg image, so your nervous system prioritizes the health of your organs. It's the most important thing that happens. So if part of your organs are not supported, your nervous system doesn't fully rec recruit all the musculature because it's worried about damage to the organs. So if your abs are on, your low back is on, your diaphragm is set, but the pelvic floor isn't set, then you're leaking, you're physically leaking water, but you're leaking power. So if you can actually set the muscles of the pelvic floor so that you have that firm container. Controlling the egg. Yes. We're controlling the egg. <laughs> it makes sense when you say it like that. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, all these, so all these videos of people like pissing themselves during competitions, they, they just need to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Okay, if you are a power lifter. <laughs> That's right. Who's posting videos pissing yourself in competition. Please DM her. Exactly. She can help you. Exactly. So yeah, Kegels, like that's a, a very dramatic like visualization of it. But other things is like pain during sex. 
Um, that can often be over contraction of the muscles, um, like a lot of ripping during childbirth, often mm -hmm. caused by like hypertonic muscles. Um, so yeah, it's it's there's a lot there. When you talk to, I see most of your clients are women now. Honestly, it's about one third men, two thirds women. Okay. Sometimes goes to fifty fifty. So I'm curious, out of the women that you work with, how common is it for them to describe having pain? Uh, I would say it's probably half my clients Oof. or more. At some point, yeah. the majority of women will say, yeah, I've experienced and pain. And would you sex. say that's normal or how it's supposed to be? Or is no, that something no. that can be worked through? No, it's not. It's it's like low back pain. You know, yeah, okay. It's normal. People get used to it, but it shouldn't but be. But it there. shouldn't be. Um, pain during sex is absolutely something that you can never experience again for the rest of your life. Really? <laughs> That's a thing? That's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Your face is amazing. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like, like even in my own life, like I think sometimes it's just like because I'm so small or like we're doing shit that's too crazy. But when people write to me like, oh, I love my husband, I love my boyfriend, whatever, but it always hurts. And I'm always just like, more lube, like yeah. warm up more, like go slow. Like for me, it's like the splits. I'm like, well, if you just do it more often, the muscles will relax. Like, I think of it kind of like a sport in that way, but I don't have any actual research backing <laughs> it up. Right? We gotta keep going, baby. We gotta keep yeah, going. like, if you just do it enough, the muscles will, like, forcibly open, but that's probably a terrible way of going about it. Um, uh, I mean, lube's a great idea. Like, that definitely makes less pain quickly. But that's just the friction um, of it. It doesn't yeah. actually, like... Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, also, like, an interesting thing that was like I didn't know until way later in life, is that the vaginal canal actually lengthens. So mm -hmm. the muscles attached to the front of your uterus connect to the pubic synthesis, which is that like bony prominence at the front, and they contract, lift the uterus, and then that will lengthen the vaginal canal. So am I right that, I'm not gonna explain that as well. I love how much terminology you have. That's kind of what I think I've talked about, guys, where it's like, the equivalent of like, when girls get boners, but it's how we can actually like, yes. open up more space on the inside, which is why some of you, um, talk about how like if he goes in too fast without warm up how you feel it hitting your cervix versus yes. if there's like 30 minutes of foreplay then it actually feels like there's room for the dick. Also, that's why 10 inch dicks are not a real thing girls want. Can I just say that aloud? Yes. Because I know oh some guys are like, I have a 12 inch dick. Why won't anyone fuck me? I'm like, we have organs. We're scared. We want to live. I'm yeah. not hollow. Like, I'll never forget this one time <laughs> hooking up with this guy who was like a little bit, like he's tall, but like quite skinny. No. Um, and I remember like the pants came off and I was just like, <laughs> It's a snake. No. It's like, snake. I don't know how to, like, and you don't want to hurt their feelings, and so you're just kind of like, I'm just really, I'm feeling very emotional right now. I don't know that I'm ready for this. You know, and I'm like, that's so scary. Who, like, well, you can have sex with, like, the two hands blocking. Oh. You guys know, everyone knows, I mean, I don't think the guys all know, but, like, when girls use, like, a hand or two to, like, defend yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's kind of like a hand job while you're doing it to, like, protect the cervix at all costs. <laughs> You're like, we're still doing it, but I need some, like, buffer. Oh, my god! You know, like, certain positions where you need to, like, take yeah, yeah. More, more space. That's a question I have for you. Mm -hmm. As a, an owner, myself, of a very backwards-tilted uterus. Okay. Um, does that have anything to come in play with, like, the pelvic floor? Like, where women are tilted on the inside? Um, I would say it does and it doesn't because there's so many muscles down there. So... Um, when I'm teaching pelvic floor work, I'm working through six types of contractions. And so it doesn't matter what genitalia you have, you can do all six of these contractions. Um, and 
it'll just be different. The sensation for the contraction will feel different mm -hmm. based on where the organs are. And some people will notice one side's tighter than the other, the front's tighter, the back's tighter, that kind of thing. Huh. Um, and, and that would be what I would imagine would really feel different for you in that engagement. So many things to learn. Ricky, <laughs> do you have any questions about, you have a pelvic floor, sir. I'm asking all the vagina questions. How do you work with people? Do you work with people live or? No, the majority of my clients are all online. Yeah, and it's really um, interesting because the conversation online is intimidating. Obviously it's intimidating to tell somebody you've never met in real life that you have this problem or that you want to work on this thing. But it's not, even though it's on Zoom, it's, it's everybody's fully clothed. The, the work is very, like I can tell you how to do it and, mm -hmm. and you can just do it while we sit there and talk. It's not a, um, it's, it's nothing that feels overly intimate or vulnerable on, on a Zoom call. Um, and the awareness itself, honest to goodness, like just having this conversation, um, going forward, you guys will feel it way more than you've ever, you, you'll be like, wow, I never noticed that before. But you will, because you're such embodied people, mm -hmm. it doesn't take long to make those changes because you have such great neuromuscular connection already. It's mm -hmm. really easy to integrate those changes and to feel like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Like I can really make big differences really, really quick. Did you create your own curriculum or did you like take different pieces from other Yeah, a, a lot of it comes from like the Hatha yoga and Kundalini yoga, like basically yogic traditions. Mm -hmm. um, because technically, like the majority of yoga we practice today is from a tantra, I'm doing air quotes, lineage. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily neo-tantra, mm -hmm. but it is all under this umbrella of like being fully present in the moment, in your environment, in your body, and that kind of connection to yourself and around you. So a lot of it is taken from, you know, breathing practices or movements or, yeah, subtle body work. I guess I never thought of it, but I guess kind of I did make up my own curriculum. Cool. Yeah. Good for you. So if someone were to come to you with whatever the kind of standard problems are, how many sessions or how many weeks does it normally take for you to feel like they've, I don't know, entered a new... <laughs> So <laughs> this has been super interesting because, you know, they say you should find someone who does what you want to do and then like kind of not copy, but like mm -hmm. your own personal stamp on what they're doing. And I, there's a few people out there who do similar, but I've never found anybody that I could look to and be like, okay, they do five month programs. Okay. I should do five month programs. So I, at first I was like, well, it feels like it would take a long time. You know, it took me years to recover from mm -hmm. this sexual trauma and like completely rebuild my sex life. So like. You know, probably six months is the fastest I could do it. And then I worked with a couple of clients and like after four months, I was like, you know, I'm, you really don't need me anymore. Like we can finish this no. program, but like, honestly, you don't need me. And then I, I narrowed it down to three months and now I do three months. Generally speaking, it's three months biweekly calls, unless it's like emergency, um, things need to change immediately. Then we'll do weekly. But what's crazy for me is that usually the first two calls, it feels like everything changes for people. And I think it's what I'm saying is that once you start to know what you don't know, you're able to make changes quickly. So usually it's like big changes really, really fast. So a lot of women come to me for, you know, they want to orgasm with their partner. Mm -hmm. They want to have new types of orgasms. Men want to be able to like last longer, all these things. And like very, very quickly they see huge changes, but then they plateau and maybe some old habits come back in if there's porn involved, if there's um, like a busy, busy mind that mm -hmm. can kind of like come back again. 
Um, and so then it's like, I find the three months is a perfect amount of time to get that spike of like, wow, things have really changed, hit the plateau, and then learn how to integrate so that it's sustainable. So how do you feel about porn? Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> is there any type of porn that you feel like is acceptable, or do you think it's all damaging and uh, okay? Bad so habits? I heard this one podcast interview where the girl said that you just need to understand that porn is a trajectory. You actually don't ever get off of porn at the same place that you get on. So hmm. we think of it as something like we interact with and then we're done, but it actually takes you from A to B, and when you get off, you're at B. So I think that's kind of where I fall because I watch porn. <laughs> well, I mean, most of us do, so, even if we're not proud of it. Yeah, so I kind of, but a lot of my clients um, come to me with like very serious porn issues. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, you can't be addicted to porn by the standards of addiction. I just recently hmm. learned this. Um, but it seems like you sure can be. Yeah, I know um, people who it seems like it's very disruptive. And, to their life, yeah. yeah. But I think, you know how, like, in medical books, it's like you have to have these five things. And for some reason, I can't remember why porn doesn't qualify. But so it's really a struggle for me because I think it does cause a lot of damage and frustration. And it's not super useful. And at the same time, it can also be really sexy and fun. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I, like, make your own porn. Make lots of your own porn. Solid. That's, 10 out of 10 advice. <laughs> Watch yourself. That's what like, I would Damn. say. That's right. Okay. Make friends with people who share their porn. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you trade these with your yeah. neighbors? <laughs> I don't know. Community Is that, are we sourcing. back to the same point? Like, I don't yeah. know. Locally source your porn, guys. <laughs> like a farmer's market of homemade pornos. Um, we'll come back to listener questions later, but as we're on this topic... Um, someone, thank you for writing in, uh, wants to know if there's any secrets to orgasm through penetration that her and her husband have been struggling with that. Is that something you feel like is yeah, common? Yeah, super, super common. Um, it's, first, the first thing I want to say is that it's absolutely attainable for every woman. Um, every woman. Every woman can have a vaginal orgasm. Uh, there's this myth that I've heard a lot is that if your clitoris is, you know, more than X amount of centimeters from the opening of your, like, vaginal canal, then you won't ever have an internal orgasm. Yeah. It's like, what? it's not the rule of thumb, but, like, basically it's a rule of thumb if it's, like, further than, anyway. <laughs> oh, an actual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're actually measuring vaginas yeah, with yeah. thumbs. Okay. Um, but this is really interesting because what we know about the clitoris is that the bulbs wrap around the vaginal canal. Mm -hmm. So you can actually get clitoral stimulation from the movement of whatever's penetrating you. And this, I'm going to assume this is like a heteronormative question. Mm -hmm. So like we're talking about a penis and a vagina, right? That penis will um, push against the sides of the vaginal wall, which will stimulate the mm -hmm. tails, the crua, the bulbs of the, of the clitoris. So it doesn't feel the same as when you're stimulating the glands clitoris, but it can still be a really epic orgasm. And we all have these body parts. Mm -hmm. And it's really about increasing sensation. Um, sometimes it, it can be like guilt and shame. Sometimes it can be busyness in your head. This loops back to, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're in high stress lives, right? And so when you go into the bedroom, it's not like it just disappears. Your life doesn't disappear. Your worries don't disappear yeah. as much as we wish that would happen. And as we get older, you have more in your life. You have, you know, more in your brain. And so it, it becomes a lot trickier to turn it off and turn on that sensitivity. 
The other thing is that your brain can only handle so much sensation. So at some point, you have to turn off sensation to like, we'll say like get a job done. I'm sure you guys have done this before where you're like have some sort of ache or pain and you're like, we got to do what we got to do. And so we're just going to push through and get it done. Right. Yeah. So um, we do this kind of thing where we're just like, okay, I just want to like, you know, have sex and I, you know, you're not really paying attention to what it feels like. You're just like looking for the sensation of the clitoris or you're just looking for Mm. your familiar sensations as opposed to like, what I would say is like, wait, slow it way the, can I swear? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Slow it way the fuck down. Um, like slow, long breathing is really going to help because that helps to release the pelvic floor for tension. For both partners or just the, the females? Um, as far as breathing? Yeah. Yeah, both partners. Okay. Um, yeah, breathing for men and women is definitely different in sex depending on what your goal is. But women often will hold their breath to get to orgasm. And it, it will get you there, but it will limit your orgasmic like huh. experience. So if you can breathe your way through the orgasm, and I get it, it's hard. I don't always like i going to be straight up. Sometimes I'm in, holding my out, breath. In, out. Yeah. Sometimes I totally forget. And I'm just like, how long have I been holding this? Um, but the more you can breathe for women, the increase the sensation will be. And it'll also like help to increase your sensitivity on the inside. Um, for men, it's different because if you're looking to last longer or come faster, it, it'll depend on like what style of breathing you want to do. Oh my God. So this is reminding me of this meme that I mean to post for you guys about so the question was, what's like the worst date you've ever been on? And this girl was saying that she often holds her breath when she's orgasming and she passed out. And the guy, <laughs> and the guy thought he'd killed her. Oh my and he, she said that she like had this great orgasm and then she like wakes up and the guy's crying and he's on the phone because he oh thought he'd God. killed her. And she was like, I never spoke to him again. I like oh left really gosh. quickly. But can you imagine? She's going, oh, this wow. is fine. This is just what it takes for me to feel good without warning him. Oh, my goodness. If you're a person who passes out when you come, please tell your partner. Yeah. Yeah, just like a heads up. Some Sometimes warning. this happens. Okay. Also consider not. Yeah, not making yourself pass out? Yeah. Okay. I mean. Um, so breathing, paying attention to the sensations, slowing things down. Mm-hmm. What else? Those would be my, f- like, go-to. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, like, you know, obviously when you're working one-on-one with someone, you're uncovering, like, you know, what have your past sexual experience been like? What are some ideas that you are holding on to about intimacy and pleasure and sexuality? And, you know, are you a type A person? You know, like, do you have six things lined up for when this is done? And that plays into, (laughs) that plays into slowing down sex, but it's not just slowing, like, physically going slower. It's like the whole experience is slower, right? Are you a believer in the idea of people like scheduling time for sex? Like where you like create time in the day so you don't just like wait for it to be spontaneous so when you're tired like... The thing is, is that if it works for you, it works for you. That's kind of how I feel about it. Okay. Because I don't, I haven't been in a, like I was married in my 20s oh. and we had like basically no sex, which is one of the reasons we didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And, you know, if I think back, would it have been better if we scheduled sex? Um, really, it would have just been better if we both wanted sex. So, <laughs> so I feel like if two people really want sex and the best way for that to happen is through scheduling, then schedule mm-hmm. it. Um, but if it weighs on you or if it feels uncomfortable, like, don't schedule sex. Better to have less sex and more feel more intimate with your partner mm-hmm. than to feel forced. So I don't know where I fall. It, I think if it works for you, it works for you. No, I, I like that, that it's not a one-size-fits-all. 
Um, and I think I read a tip recently that I liked, which was when you schedule time, like if it's every, you know, Monday and Thursday from nine o'clock, that it's not necessarily that you have to have sex with your partner, right? Yes. It could be snuggling, it could just be intimate time, but where you know you're not gonna be dealing with the kids, you're not dealing with work, your phones mm -hmm. are off, you're like gonna make sure the room is clean so you're not like sitting in the dirty laundry, you know, like just yeah. create a space where you can be with your partner. And if you have sex, that's fine, but if it's just intimate time, to connect that's also fine because I feel like especially for like me and Key we go to bed at different times often so like I'm up like four hours past him because I like yeah. to work till like midnight or 1 a.m. then he's up at sunrise so we don't even I'm not even like awake at the same time so yeah. I'm like if we don't line this up and now there's people totally. in and out of the house all the time I'm like oh we gotta like create a space where this feels totally. like it can work but yeah but I think that's that's not even just sex like that's intimacy Right? Yeah. Like you have to schedule intimacy because our lives get so hectic. Some people don't have to schedule intimacy because they don't have hectic lives like what's going on with you guys. Like yeah. we live, you know, in a place where you can be a bit more like relaxed maybe about your lifestyle. I guess it depends on yeah. the person. <laughs> so first question of the day for you, how do you feel about scheduling things? How do I feel about it? Yeah, I just want the audience to know you're here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like spontaneity for yeah. the most part. I, I, I tend to find that, like, right as we're meant to be somewhere is when I get the most turned on. I oh, yeah. Oh, like, my we, fucking we, we have, God. We have someone we have to be in, like, five minutes, and I'm just like, oh, it'd be so fun if we just did it right now. Because it just takes the pressure off. You know that, like, you got to be somewhere. You might, oh, it's probably not going to happen. And you just so annoying. It yeah, it's good. That's so, hilarious. like, we've been getting ready, like, all afternoon, like, all morning we're free. Like, if we have a dinner to be at at, like, 6 o'clock, we're home all day, nothing's happening, I'm taking a shower, I do my hair, I do my makeup, I get dressed, and like, as the car is coming to get us, he's like, you know, trying to start making out with me and touch me, I'm like, no, 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 we're gonna be late, like, we need to go, and he's like, come on, I'm like, no, you had hours, Hour, and it usually happens, and it's great, but we're always late, and like, my hair is all fucked up, and people are like, where were you, and I'm like, that's amazing, you have to wait till the last, I forget what that is, there's this whole like, Eros archetype, and, and that like, I think it's energetic. It's just like the fact that you know that there's not a lot of time, the fact that it's like probably shouldn't be doing it right now, like that's what like gets you super worked yeah. up. Like it's, it's knowing things are not meant to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. Your the, more things, thing. the more reasons that it's not meant to happen is yeah. like the more reasons. We're, it's in a place <laughs> that's not like, uh, like it's supposed to be happening, if it's inappropriate, if it's with someone we're not supposed to be with, <laughs> he loves it, like bad timing, oh people gosh. we could get caught. I'm always like, the more red flags, the better. <laughs> Literally, that's that's your type. That's, that's amazing. The risk you, he's like, let's go. Let's that's go. Like, hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. And that's yeah. why, again, our personalities are very different. Like, you should see, like, the spreadsheet of my life. Like, my whole day is broken down into 30-minute chunks. I have, like, wow. goals, like, weekly, bi-monthly. Yeah. And he's like, right now? I'm like, wait, it doesn't. I wasn't ready. Like, no, it's good. There is happy in between. But I think when we travel, it's easier, too. Like, when you're oh, in yeah. a routine... I really like my routines, but as soon as we're like at a music festival, we're traveling, we're in a mm -hmm. hotel, and like there's nothing to worry about. What is it about like new places? Like for me, like a hotel, like I like, this sounds terrible, but like, like I want to hook up with anybody. Like I just want to have <laughs> sex in this, this hotel. Look at this nice new bed. Yeah, like I'm in a new Airbnb. I'm like, I really need to have sex in this Airbnb. I just like, like that like, you don't have to wash the bed sheets. Uh, I'm there's like, so many good things. You know, like I can mess this up and it's okay. And there will yeah. be cleaners in the morning and yeah. it's not my And they way. won't see me. They won't know it's me, you know? It's a vibe. It's a vibe. So reviewing the things that people can do. One is get in touch with you, obviously, for their Zoom calls and learn how to use all your inside muscles so you can be a strong egg. Um, second is <laughs> slowing things down, obviously communicating with your partner, um, using your breath and really like feeling a sensation. Um, 
you can or cannot be a fan of scheduling depending on what feels good for you, but taking the pressure off. Yeah. Is there anything else that people should? No, I think those are, like, if, if, you've, if you've done those things, then you're having vaginal orgasms. That's how I feel about it. And if you're like, well, I've done all those things and I'm not, like, I would go back to breathing. Like, I would go back to the basics. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And then if it's still, like, a frustrating thing for you, then definitely get someone else who can, like, reflect back. Because sometimes it's just, like, something like a pebble in your shoe. It's just some, like, little tiny thing that mm -hmm. just been bothering you a long time and you just need to, like, have someone else help you get it out. So one of the listener questions um, was, how do you recommend bringing it up to your partner? Someone was like, I have problems with this, but I don't want to make my partner feel like a bad lover. I don't want to embarrass them. Mm -hmm. right? And I think also this person who probably has been like faking orgasms for a long time, I bet yeah. you have a whole opinion on that. Like, yep. What would you recommend for someone who's afraid to like bring this up to their partner? It's, yeah, the thing is, is that it, it's a lot about the way you talk about it, right? So obviously, you know, hey, honey, you know, I've been faking orgasms for the last five years. Um, I need things to change. Brutal. Probably not the best way to go about it. Um, but there are things that you can talk about. Like, man, it is so sexy when you touch me slow. And I know sometimes you really like it when things are quick and fast, but I would really love if we could play in that slow zone and like here's a few things I've been wanting to try. So positive reinforcement rather than yeah. calling out the negatives. Yeah, and like, yeah, this is a bit of a jerk thing to say. Maybe it's victim blaming, I don't know. But if you've been faking orgasms for years, Mm -hmm. then it's more your fault than theirs that you yeah. haven't. So, like, the idea of, like, putting blame on them or giving them blame is actually silly in the first place because you really need to take ownership of what's happened. Yeah. And telling them, like, I'm taking ownership for my fake orgasms is not taking ownership. It's still shifting the blame. It's like you in your head being like, okay, I'm done faking orgasms. Going forward, you know, we can have these conversations. And I still, like... Communication is huge to me, and I still struggle to, well, first off, I struggle to think properly when I'm in a sexy position. So, like, mm -hmm. someone's like, you know, is this okay with you? I'm like, uh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm really having a hard time thinking straight, let alone getting words out. So things like moaning, you know, have a conversation about moaning beforehand, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's, like, a high-pitched moan is a, like, yellow, and like a low pitch moan, that's a green, you know? So that's then you can kind of tip. like navigate without having to be like, hey, babe, we're at a yellow right now, you know? That's an amazing <laughs> tip, right? Because I think it's so awkward for a lot of people to speak and be like, oh, that's not feeling good. Yeah. Or yes, I like that. So mm -hmm. they're just kind of making noises, but the partners don't know how to. Yeah, what does that noise mean? <gasps> yeah. Guys, <laughs> guys, we're going to come up with a moaning chart. This is like our, our new right. like braille. A new Morris code for You're like pleasure. at the piano with your partner. Like this key means this. This key yeah. means that. a C major. Keep going. <laughs> As a man who's had sex with quite a few females, do you believe that you can tell when we're faking it? Mm, I don't know. If it's your first time with a girl, it's kind of like you don't have a lot of like you know a lot of points of, of interaction where you can like judge you know what their, their normal is or what's like you know fake or so I think once you get to know someone maybe yeah. you have a better understanding of like you know what they like and what they don't like have you had many partners who really really struggle to orgasm or don't orgasm I don't know well, I'm curious if you would know right and which is not a slight against you because you're a very intuitive partner and you ask a lot of questions but I'm also aware that like like 
very rarely, but there have been times when it was like when I wasn't feeling good or I could tell you what, and I was like, I feel like this duty and I want to give this to you, but like I'm not into it. So I'll make the noise and you feel great and like we can move on with our night type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done that often, but I'm always like, could he actually tell the difference? And why would I tell him? Because I don't want to make him feel bad, but I know that's like reinforcing bad behavior. And I know a lot of women do that where it's like, I want him to feel good about himself, so we'll mm-hmm. just get this done with and move on. And I'm like, no, but you need to work on it because they want to be a better lover, right? Like yeah. I assume most men would actually rather hear how to do things to create more pleasure, but a lot of women don't want to put in the effort to get there. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, with me or like your other long-term partners, if someone come to you and been like, hey, I've been pretending I don't like X, Y, and Z that you do, how would you actually feel about that? Okay, well back to the first question. So I think there's um, there's times where I definitely know I fucked up. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like I did not do good that night. Like mm. there's times that are just like blatantly obvious, you know? And there's other times where it just, like, it felt so fucking good. We both walk away, like, smiling. We're, like, stoked, you know? So, like, there's, like, yeah. Some of them are just super easy to judge. Yeah. Um, but I also tend to find that, like, maybe if it didn't feel good in me that night, it probably wasn't good for her either. I feel like mm. if I come out of it being, like, this was weird or, like, I wasn't in the right place, like, I'm just, I kind of assume that she was also in a similar right. mindset or I'm, like, I don't know. There's got to be some reason that I'm feeling this. It's not just random that I'm feeling like it wasn't, it didn't work. Yeah. So I, I try to, like, just think about that and, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know for a long time it was really I, I never wanted to ask girls if they like orgasms. I don't know why, but there was like a block. I was like, I don't want to like I don't want to not necessarily know. Mm-hmm. But you also, I, I, I didn't want them to, to lie to me. Yeah, you don't want to put somebody in that position. One of the questions I so oversharing, but one of the fantasies I had for a long time is a happy ending massage, mm-hmm. and. I have traveled enough that this should have happened, and it never had, so I found a spot that specialized in it, and Valentine's Day, I gave myself this experience, right? Go and you. so you st- I started, how did I start? On my stomach, and then, you know, halfway through, <laughs> rotisserie chicken, you flip over. Um, <laughs> but, like, when I went to flip over, she was like, did you orgasm? And I was, like, super annoyed, because... I, I didn't go because I wanted to orgasm more, and huh. orgasming in general is really not complicated for me anymore. And I really was almost like put off that I was like, well, that's not the goal. I'm here because I this is my fantasy, like right. this it's whole experience, experience, you know. And it's so sexy, it's so fun. And now you've just made it like about that. And then later on, she asked me like, how many times did I orgasm? And I was like, it's not score keeping. Yeah, like I mm. enough. Like I'm happy. Um, so I find. I also have a client who's asked me this 50 million times. He's like, if I don't ask her if she's orgasm, how the hell do I know? I was like, you can just Should ask, like, did that feel good? No. Because oh. I just want to say that there have been times in my life where I didn't tell that he came, and it should be really obvious when a man comes. And I'm if not I sure didn't, sometimes. Exactly. So if I didn't know, and it's really obvious when they do. That's fair. You know, like, I'm not going to put it on men that they should be able to pick this up, you know? That's fair. That's and I've fair. also been with women that I was like, was that? No? Yes? Okay, you know, not done. You know, like, <laughs> we're gonna keep yeah, yeah. going. So I get it, because it's it's a really tough situation to like ask, but then also you do kind of want like feedback. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a funny thought. How like I go, well, you should be able to tell with girls, but truth be told, like there have been many times where either you've already come, and then like I don't know. So like thirty minutes in, I'm like, why aren't you coming? You're like, I did like thirty minutes ago, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, like sorry. Right, there were times that we've been having threesomes, and like. You know, you've come with someone, but not the other person. One of us doesn't know, so we're still going. You're just like, oh, dear God. Like, How long do you guys yeah. need? Or sometimes, like, and thank God for you, like, you actually can go multiple times. So sometimes it's, like, two or three oh or more gosh. times in. And I'm, like, we're, like, counting. We're, like, so you've had three. I've had four. 
Like, do we need to even her out? Like, what's Where the number? But it's a good point that, like, if I can't even tell for you, and it is normally fairly obvious, like, how the fuck? Because sometimes I don't even know. I was going to say, have you ever been with a woman where you couldn't tell, like, if she didn't tell you? Yeah. Like, there's always moments where, like, there's a lot of noise, and, like, something crazy happens, and they're turning purple, and you're like, what's it? You're not breathing? Yeah. But, like, also, I can't tell if we got, like, nine out of the ten points. Yeah. And then, right, because even sometimes for me, I'm like, this feels really good, but was... Was that, was that the thing? Yeah. Like, did the volcano erupt, or are we just like really tingly? I can't t- right. Like, do you, what would you define as an orgasm for people who are like, oh, oh it feels good sometimes, but is it like that explosive thing? Like, is there a technical definition to, of what defines an orgasm? Oh, I actually don't know. Well, I've looked up what an orgasm is, like the definition of an orgasm, and it's a sexual release, which is okay. pretty. Useless information. Okay. <laughs> Build up of pressure. So my runs. my definition of an orgasm is an intense energetic release because I think that you can have laugh orgasms. You know, when you like laugh until you cannot, like you have no control over it that and your whole happened. body is, or like cry orgasms when you Did just that like once, freaked let out. that out. So I think that there's a lot more than just that sensation. Um, it's kind of like being in love though, in one of those things where it's just like, I'm so sorry. Like when you have it, you know, so mm-hmm. if, if you're like, Oh, I don't know if I've ever had an orgasm. So it's probably not, probably it. not it. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's very, uh, yeah, it's, it's very sensational. Um, obviously it varies, you know, it can be like low key sensational. It can be like, am I in another dimension? I've had those where I'm like, I think I've left my body. Like often, like I can't feel my legs. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I can't walk now. Like I just need to give me a minute. Like I can't feel my hands or my feet. But we've also been with a couple of girls who like sex and had had threesomes before and then had threesomes with us. And like halfway through, you know, they'd have this moment and they'd look at me and be like, that was my forced orgasm right now. And we're both like, oh, really? Like, goddamn. That's as good as it gets Okay. Like, all right. High five, Ricky. Like, good, good job. But it's like, you you know, some of these women, like one of them that I'm thinking of from a couple of years ago was like in her mid-20s and had had, you know, a decent number of sexual partners and was very sexual mm-hmm. and had never orgasmed through sex before. Yeah. And I was like, how? Like, not A, how does this happen? Not like in a guilty way, but to me, it's like if that hadn't happened for me, I don't think I'd be, be interested sex. in mm-hmm. getting penetrated by this many dudes like if what's in it for you? I mean I guess the intimacy can be nice but I was like damn I know you like other things about this well, I think that girl had had like with like clitoral stimulation well and with not, herself not like, like yeah. she could make herself come but like she'd never like the fact that she wasn't touching herself it was just you and me and like it happened remember we were like is she gonna pass out nope that was good okay we're kidding. like yeah it's such an interesting like sex is so interesting because we are all so different and yet we are all the same that's that's a crazy thing. It's like movement, right? Everybody moves completely different, but we all actually move the same. So mm-hmm. it's like this this huge, you know, what an orgasm looks like, what you want it. And for me, one of the things is like, what do you want your orgasm to be? Because, yeah. you know, I think my mother is quite happy in her sex life with my father. And I'm pretty sure she's probably never had a cervical orgasm. And I'm, you know, huh. I don't know this 100% because my mom doesn't really talk about sex. <laughs> and really is an understatement. Um, but... Like, I don't imagine she's had, like, many different types of orgasms or gone to the mm-hmm. moon, but I'm she's pretty happy. And, you know, we've had enough conversations that I know that she's, you know, a very satisfied woman. And so I think that, uh, like, it's like, what do you want? You know, do you, is this something you want? Sometimes people want to orgasm at the same time as their partner. Okay, let's make that happen for you. Sometimes mm-hmm. people want to orgasm from vaginal sex. 
like, sorry, vaginal penetration, like, let's make that happen for you. But like, if you're happy where you're at, then you should be happy where you're at. And that's amazing. So that was another listener question was from a man saying, do you work with men on how to last longer? Yeah. So like, if that's a timing thing, right, where you're trying to control (laughs) the pacing of events, what are your tips for men on calming down? Yeah, one of the things is a breathing thing. So for men, often if you hold, hold on a second. Yeah, you hold, so you breathe in, you hold the breath in, you engage the pelvic floor, and imagine you're trying to pull it in and up. So the sensation when, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously I've never had a man orgasm. Um, (laughs) When men orgasm, it's like, it's like a, a down and out energy. Like like the energy of the orgasm is like an outward, right? Seems all right. Yeah. So for women, huh. generally speaking, an upward sensation is what we're it goes looking for. Into my head and right. then I can't breathe or see straight. Which makes sense, <laughs> you know, from procreation. So mm-hmm. if a guy is at that edge where he feels now you you want to stop at like seventy percent. So this is something that takes some practice. You hit seventy percent. That down and out energy is the one you know is what an orgasm feels like. You're going to take a breath in, so envision that energy coming up. You breathe in, you hold it, contract those muscles in the pelvic floor, and then if you if you have it in you, you want to envision that you're pulling that orgasm back up inside. You're like, get back in here. Yeah, yeah. Stay. And so, like, some people will say, like, you know, you can go over through the chakras. You can try to, like, energize. Like, imagine you're, like, you know, if you're with a long-term partner, like, really visualize, like, the love and compassion you have for them. And that tends to pull the energy up. So now we're talking about, like, a combination of physical and energetic that I think is... I like how much more, like, beautiful and holistic your version is. Key, could you remind people what your tip for men is when they don't want to come? I have a lot of tips, but... No, the main, the main one that you think about uh, all the time? One of the things that, like, I just try to think of, like, dirty car engines or, like... Oh, really? Something, like, I don't know, something that's non-sexual. You said, like, old, yeah. old grandma's dirty car engine. Think of the queen. That's what... Uh, yeah, that's, like, like that. an old saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes, like, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but sometimes I can tell, like, if we're having sex, and, like, he kind of, like, glazes over, and I'm like, where are you? And he's, like, fixing a motorcycle engine, <laughs> doing an oil change. Like he's, he's, I'm like, come back. He's like, yeah. can't. Yeah. Give me a second. A second. Second. <laughs> yeah. no. So you're saying pull the orgasm back in. Yeah, yeah. Clear well, your chakras like, or think of dirty car engines. I, I really feel like, again, this is like it's different for every person. And so if it works for you, it works for you. But I would bet for you especially, like you've done this enough now and you've had enough practice that you're able to like quickly switch gears to be like, okay, I need to think about a car engine. I would bet that you could even more have more intense orgasms if you were to like decide that you were going to not think about the car engine anymore and you were going to swap. For somebody listening to this, that might actually be an even better tip is because it's easier to think about a car engine than it is to try and like visualize chakras or to like... It's like a starting place and like stepping stone your way into like grander Yeah, I think yours might actually be more accessible than mine. (laughs) Okay, thinking of old people and car engines is step one. Chakras and energy balancing is step two. I'll definitely give it a go. I want to, I want to report back, please. There you go. And then as um, a dick owner, for those of our beautiful listeners who haven't heard our earlier episodes, do you have any other tips for the boys lasting longer? Um, lasting longer. Well, one of the things you said is about, like, breaks. taking breaks. Yeah, so, like, if, if you're ever, like, right about to come, for me at least, like, I'll try to step back from the situation, like, take a little break, which is hard because often I feel like we're, like, building that tension together. Yeah. And then I'm like, fuck, I have to, like... I don't want to like wreck the whole vibe, mm-hmm. 
just like you know going in on this one moment so I try to like just step back and like go back to like eating her out or doing whatever else I have to do to like let myself calm down a little bit and then yeah. I feel like if I get over that first orgasm, then I'm, I'm fine for the rest of the time. But, like, first it's that orgasm. first one. The yeah, first okay, but how <laughs> many men get another one? That's my question. It's not common at all. To get a second orgasm later? As a man. It's, it's definitely harder to make it come back yeah. in the future, yeah. I feel like your body just, like, changes. Yeah. Yeah. If you make it past that first hurdle, then it's, like, a little bit more of a challenge to, to have it come but back. But you don't again, necessarily but. mean that, like that you come once and then you come again it's that like when the first urge comes up and you suppress yeah, it that it's harder like, for it to come mm, back exactly. the second yeah. time yeah 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 so you like you don't let it happen you just like subdue the urge and then okay. I, I feel like it is harder to like come again in the future but that's kind of the point you know yeah, you yeah. want to like yep. have more time i have a question for you um and if you know the answer awesome if not can you guys get back to me about okay. this um so one of the things that i've been using with partners is like especially if if i'm giving a blow job and he's like wow like i'm about to come is to like grab the base of the shaft and squeeze really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And that tends to, like, slow it down or, like, keep it from... It, like, stops the, the is build that, up. I don't know if we've done exactly that, but, like... I have. She, it she works. Does, yeah, but I don't know if you do it, like, to stop me from coming. Well, it, de it depends, but she, it is She does this amazing option. thing where she, like, holds it. Yeah. And then just for, like, a long period of time, like, yeah. 10 minutes or something. Really? Yeah, like, a long time. <laughs> and then everything feels amazing after that. Like, the blood kind of, like, yeah. It's amazing. Hmm. Tips, and guys. It fades really quickly after you let go. It's like you have like a couple of seconds during that time. To yeah. Like, but like, oh, it's great. Oh, yeah, so everyone playing know, with the dick. You hold like like the base of it, or you can also like hold the balls. Mm -hmm. So it's I imagine it's kind of like what like a cock ring would do, but you're doing it with your hand, where mm -hmm. you're just like helping like that pressure stay there, and then everything gets really sensitive. So you can just like touch it or like kiss it, like be really gentle with it, but it gets like super sensitized rather yeah. than just like bang it out and doing the same thing every time. Like you can play with things and be sensitive and like. Yeah. I don't know, oh, I create really like more tension buildup. Mm. Tip of the day. <laughs> um, if you could assign one homework thing for everyone listening, or more specifically women, because I know men, generally speaking, don't have problems orgasming. They have hands. They yeah. can do it pretty much whenever they want. But for most people at home with vaginas, what would you have them do? Um, I'm going to say the best thing you can do is, like, this is so annoying because um, it's so simple you're gonna hate me but it's just like learning to be mindful of your breath like okay. that's I worked with pelvic floor physios for a while and every single one of them was like the first thing I do is instruct my clients to spend five minutes mindfully breathing every single day and then from there I progress but if they ever stop doing five minutes of breath we cut everything out we go back to five minutes of mindful breathing and is there a specific type of breathing like if people are gonna look up like a tutorial or follow along is it I have this breathing off, right? exercise <laughs> that I, I've seen a lot of great results from, like men and women, um, and it's, it's this activation in the pelvic floor, so it's like you'll, you'll take a deep breath in. Okay, so I'm just going to really quickly explain it. If you're interested, you know, I, have the, I think I have one on Insight Timer, and just connect with me. I'll send it to you. Um, but basically, really basic, you have a diamond shape, so um, you have a left to right contraction, so you, your left and right sit bone can pull in towards the center. That's the sensation you're looking for. And then on your inhale, you relax. On your exhale, you try to pull the sit bones in towards one another. On your inhale, you relax. Then you go front to back, tailbone towards pubic bone. As you exhale, you want to try and pull those two points towards one another. When you inhale, you relax. So again, I'm going through this really fast. I'm feeling things on the inside. But right you now. got front and back, you got side to side, but then you have the four sides, right? You have the front right, front left, back right, back left. So all six of those in a breathing meditation, we'll say it can take like three, four minutes. Okay. And 
one, you're increasing your neuromuscular connection to the muscles. Mm -hmm. You're building sensitivity because you're paying attention to that area of your body. Um, and you're working on your breathing, like being mindful of your ability to breathe. What is your opinion on toys, specifically vibrators? Because I know some sex coaches say it's like desensitizing, they're very against it. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was rolling my eyes very loud as you were asking me this question. <laughs> um, here's the deal about desensitizing. Um, you desensitize because you have decreased your awareness to that area. So yeah, sure. Um, you can desensitize using a vibrator, you can desensitize um, using your hand, you can desensitize using a dick, you can, you can just desensitize. But it's more, for me, in my experience, it's because you don't fucking pay attention to that area of your body. So you're saying I don't have to get rid of my little purple thing? No, you sure don't. Yes! I really think this is like a blame game where yeah. it's like, it can't possibly be me and my body. It's got to be this toy or like some sort of weird suppression. And then you have this like whole movement of these like crystal wands. I was going to say. And it's like, well, if you use the crystal wand, I'm like, so if I put a rock inside of me, like that's going to be less damaging than like this vibrating silicone thing. Like who is making this stuff up? Like, I mean, also I'm being a bit aggressive. I don't mean to be so aggressive. Placebo effect is real, so if that's you true. feel that's like that's working for you, that's good. That's working for you. But in like from an anatomical perspective, I cannot wrap my brain around why anyone would think that that desensitizes. Okay. I feel better because if you're listening, you know who you are. I adore you. But one of our close friends, who very much believes it, like charges her crystals in the moonlight yeah, yeah. and is like open in her. But like some of these are like pretty intense looking rocks. I'm like, there's no way that would go in me. Yeah. I like my external, very small, very soft, silicone little friend. Like, I don't think, and she's like, oh, you know, it helps you feel more sensation and pleasure. I'm like, I don't think I'd feel pleasure from a cold piece of yeah, stone. Yeah, I really struggle with it. Cause I also charge my crystals in the moonlight. I also have yoni eggs and like my, like my yoni eggs were really a powerful part of overcoming the sexual trauma, but mm -hmm. I can't say I use them on the regular or that I, yeah. I find Maybe I'm not, some people are more sensitive to energies than I am, obviously. Um, but to say that a vibrator desensitizes you is like a gross exaggeration of the facts. You can be desensitized. It can be from many, many, many things. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be super honest with you. If you were able to be desensitized through a vibrator, I would feel nothing because my vibrator is maybe my best friend in the whole world. So. Hey guys, she's not going to take away your vibrators. We are good to go on that front. <laughs> makes me feel better. People have very different opinions and I feel like there's a lot of like hard lines like it, you should come this way, you mm -hmm. shouldn't use this, you should or shouldn't watch porn. I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of in between. I do too. This type of stuff. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about you and your story. I know. <laughs> how long you've been monogamish. Yeah, well wait, we gotta start with the first one because I wanna know, how did you discover your sexuality? Like how old were you when you first remember feeling things or? Honestly, old. Like, I, a lot of my clients that I work with, I'll say, like, what was your first, you know, when is your first sexual memory? Mm -hmm. You'd be shocked how many people it's before they're seven years old, like men and I mean, women. For him, yeah. Yeah, how old were you? I, I don't know, super young. Really? Yeah. You? I mean, I remember, like, wanting to marry the guy from Mulan. Yeah, but marry. Right, but that was the first time I, like, looking at, like, the cartoon character with muscles and being like, the, or like Tarzan being like, I, mm. I want that, but not really understanding. Yeah. But I wasn't like interested in boys till I was like 14. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I was super, but I also hit puberty late. Like, for me, everything, any kind of sexual interest was very delayed. Mm-hmm. But you were, like, looking up girls' skirts when you were, like, three, four, trying to get kisses. Yeah, like when I was, like, six, we would, like, go into the bushes. I'd arrange, like, all the kids in the, all the hot kids. Like, <laughs> go into the bushes and, like, show each other our stuff. Really? Six years old. And oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> Your mother's like, oh, my gosh. I get, like, the really hot ones, and I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, would you want to go and, like, show each other? And they'd be like... Who's coming? And I'd have to like arrange the people that they wanted to come. So I'd be like, all right, like we're gonna get like six guys for this one girl. The scandal. That's amazing. No, I was much older. Um, I don't know. I was probably sixteen when I like I, I you know, oversharing, but like definitely wanted attention, but that was from Mm -hmm. other issues. Um, so I definitely was interested in men from a young age, but more because I just wanted somebody's attention. Yeah. And uh, then I would say probably I was 16 the first time I like felt something, but I come from such a conservative family. I didn't know about getting wet when you're aroused until I was friggin' 19. Oh, like I thought there was some sort of like hard. leakage problem happening in my body because I would like be making out with this guy and then I'd be like, I have to go now. I like, peed my pants. Yeah. Like, I, was like, I didn't even feel that happen. Like, what is wrong with me? Oh, uh, yeah, no, it was pretty. It was pretty tough times. So were you saying. raised in a, a religious family? Very religious. Did your mom even have like the period birth control talk with you? Oh, birth control. No, birth control is like the devil for sure. Oh god. But period. We. I read this book and it was like just this little tiny book and it was called Almost Twelve. And my mom was like, "Here you go, honey. Um, <laughs> don't don't look at me. Just <laughs> read this." And. You know, I, I think this now, and this comes back to taking ownership, right? Often people are like, you know, it was, it was, you know, suppressed in my family. Nobody talked about it, blah, blah, blah. I don't mean to be a punk, but I don't think that our parents, maybe yours, clearly yours, majority speaking, um, our parents didn't really know that much because their parents weren't talking about mm-hmm. it. And where were they learning about it? They didn't have the internet. Porn wasn't available on sites, and not that porn is a reliable source of information. You know, yeah. so really... Maybe it wasn't talked about because they didn't know what to say. Yes, they weren't intentionally letting us down. They didn't have good access to information either. Yeah, so it really took me a long time, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so from this point of like thinking I was like wetting myself when I was getting turned on, to um, this sexual trauma in there, I like I was I was always a very sexual person, and and I I felt these like like desires, like I wanted to have sex, I wanted to do these things. Um, before I was married, I had very, very few partners and it was always very guilt-ridden. And then when I was getting married, I was like, yes, guilt-free sex for the rest of my life. And then he was like, yeah, I'm not really into sex. Um, which was like worst news ever. And so I did everything. I took like pole dancing classes. I did like striptease workouts. I was like, it's cause I'm not sexy. You know, I gotta be sexier. Um, and in the end, like he's a great guy. We just, we just weren't quite the right match. Um, so then what happened at the end of our relationship um, is that I ended up cheating on him. And then I had it in my head, once a cheater, always a cheater. Plus you had needs that weren't being met. We talk about this all the time. Like some relationships can actually work as long as you're getting all your cups filled and you clearly weren't. Yeah. And then you also had the guilt stacked on top where you think that you can't come back mm-hmm. for it, which is entirely true. Before we go on, how long had you known him before you got married? Um, two years, I think. Oh. And yeah. how long were you together? Um, in total, six years, seven years. That's a long time. Yeah, And how old were you when you got married? 21. So you got married quite quickly, quite early. Yeah. Lasted for six years, which is... No, four years. Okay, four yeah. years. And six years total. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she was almost within the average range, as I talk about in America, about 50% of marriages end. 
and the average marriage is eight years long. Really? Um, yeah, and divorce averages about fifteen thousand dollars, and the wedding is usually about thirty-five. So you're about forty-five to fifty grand in for something you just could have skipped the paperwork on. Um, true, true. So you lasted that long yeah. without having sex. And I'm sure there were things that were. Obviously, compatible. there were times we had sex, yeah. but it it was just like so consistent, and and he was so disinterested. So when I stepped out of that relationship, I was like, well, I can't be in any relationship because if I can't be trusted in a marriage, like I can't be trusted anywhere. Yeah. And so I started to try well I met this woman and she was my first female experience um, she was amazing she I want to say like she specialized in first-time girls I'm not a first-time girl if a girl's never been with a girl before I have no interest I'm not a, like that's not sexy to me it's not fun I don't mm -hmm. want to be your first but this <laughs> woman with me was just I don't know it's like her thing like she's like taking virginity right she's just like this is the best mm -hmm. is it your thing yeah <laughs> I really like straight girls really yeah because I think I'm still like I consider myself like mostly straight. Mostly. So if a girl's like really like I'm only into girls like super lesbian, like I've been with a bunch of girls, I'm like I probably can't compete with that. Like I'm, I really like men. Like I'm not sure, but if a girl's oh, like God. I've never liked girls before, but I think I'm into, I'm like, really? Let's go. That's like I my show least you. favorite because then when we get in the bedroom, it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna starfish because like, yeah. I'm gonna go down on you and you're gonna have a great orgasm and then you're gonna be all awkward and weird. Yeah, and they have no idea what's happening. Yeah. But to me, I don't mind because I feel like both of us are, I don't wanna say performers, but we get a lot of joy out of like, you being are literally able. performers. I know. That, <laughs> maybe that's part of where it comes from where it's like, I don't care if it's shit for me as long as we're gonna give you an experience that you're gonna remember for the rest of your life and you go and tell all your friends that we're still yeah. Facebook, like actually. Funny story, I just got a message now from one of the first girls we ever had a threesome with, like six years ago or something. The yeah. first girl I was ever into, this Irish girl who like was the first time I realized I actually could get the tingles from a girl. And she, you know, went back to Ireland, got this boyfriend. I thought she was already married. Turns out she's single. She's flying to Indonesia to visit us. She's moving to Australia. Like that wow. level of like, we met her once. And she's like, I've thought, about, I've thought about you guys for six years. I'm going to come across the world to come see you again. Wow. Like, Do you have notes on that time? Do you guys remember? Yeah, a I lot. I remember one thing I fucked up with. <laughs> was it the couch? Yeah. Was it the couch? <laughs> it was the couch. Oh, uh, no. I remember uh, the couch. trying to get creative, <clears throat> and I kind of fucked up. Yeah. It's just an awkward moment. It was like after like most of the good stuff had already happened. And at the end, I was just like, wait, can we try something? Because well, she wasn't, a, like, most of the people we were involved with at that point were people in the circus. So they were contortionists mm -hmm. and really bendy, fit athletic people where oh, we're no. used to, like, folding each other in half and lifting each other up on the ceiling and yeah. doing the splits. And she was, like, really sweet, but, like, a normal person. Mm -hmm. So he tried to, like, bend her, like, backward, like, stomach up to the ceiling over this couch which probably would have been fine for me, but her back just didn't bend. She was like, ah, ah, like my back. And he like couldn't get her back up and she was no, falling. Yeah, but it was like this moment where it was like really, and she just looked we, at me, she was like, just, I can't. We're like, we, okay. We tried it for like 15 seconds. And we were like, it's not gonna work. I was just kind of embarrassing. <laughs> she kind of, she's like, guys, I'm not built like you. Like, can we go back? I'm like, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not the only time this happened too. <laughs> not the couch thing, but another fucking time when I, I lifted a girl up and she was a circus person. So we were like, oh, she'll be fine. But I like lifted her onto she my shoulders and I pushed her against the wall. And she was like, like I don't know. She I'm afraid of heights. Yeah. Put me down. Put me down. I'm like, he's not gonna drop you. Wow. She's like, I need yeah, to be like down terrifying. on the ground. I don't mean to be a jerk. Heights. Like, how tall are you? I'm not that tall. <laughs> but I, I think she was just alarmed because he'd been eating her out like on the bed, and yeah. then he's strong. He literally like put his hands on her and just stood up. Wow. So she's like, her hands are on the ceiling, and she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm like, no, no, you're oh, good. Like, so wild. You're chilling. She, the circus she freaked out. Yeah. Like she, she I need to come down. I need to come down. It was like, like a really big reaction. Yeah, we'll put you down. She does aerials too. Like. And we've been with her for a long time. Like, 
I think a she just wasn't things. expecting it. We just didn't warn her. You weren't like, I'm going to pick you up now. Yeah, it was yeah. just one of those thrills. You're like, boop. Wow. Yeah. So that happens every, rarely. But we are very much into, like, giving experiences that we know no one else can top, which yeah. maybe is, like, very egotistical. But often, I would say 80% of the time that we have threesomes, it is less good sex for me than if we were just by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I'm putting so much effort into this person, we're like tag teaming them and doing this, and we're switching, mm -hmm. we have like all these like hand signals, we're like you're gonna go there, we're gonna do like <laughs> position number four, like yeah, it's like this weird human origami, but we're really good at creating this experience where they're like, wow, I didn't even know this was possible. I'm like, yeah, did it. You didn't do shit for me, but you had the best night ever. <laughs> Got it, so we're on opposite ends, but I'm hoping that like as we mature, and as like we keep within girls like within our age range, obviously like when I was, 18, 19, I was more interested in girls who were 18, 19, and it mm -hmm. happened, just so happened that some of them were virgins or hadn't been with girls before because they were my age. Yeah. But as, like, you know, now I'm 24, and most people have had a couple more experiences, and I'm like, oh, sometimes girls actually do know what they're doing. This is nice. Yeah. Like, when they know what they want, they know what their boundaries are, it's right. a little easier to communicate. That's what I'm saying. Like, mm. I, like it, it holds zero attractiveness to me to be with someone who's never been with a girl before. And I think it's because, like, my one experience is, like, a friend of mine is like, I'm not really into girls, but if... If somebody's gonna go down on me, I'm not gonna tell them no. Well, and I've always been like, what? Like, that's like, uh, I'm just so scared to like put, take someone in and like, and, and that's the thing is like, I'm mostly straight too. Like generally my girl and girl interactions are in the context of more than two of us. Mm -hmm. But more than two girls or when there's also a guy involved? Usually there's a guy involved. Well, I yeah. feel like the dick balances things out. Like, there's masculine like energy too. to like yeah. hold it together and the girls can kind of be free and wild and then you still like, get your masculine time at the end. I've, a f I've had a few all-female events, and they were lovely, um, but they just told me that I wasn't a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I have tried this flavor of ice cream. Yeah, it's not a match. Turns out, nope. It's good. So after your marriage, what made you think, like, maybe I should try things with them? Or was it, like, one specific woman? Like, was she it, just had a different yeah, vibe? Yeah, so she, I... I, so while I was married, this one time, I watched, I don't know how this happened, I think I was watching a music video on YouTube or something, and I saw these two girls kiss, and I was like, did that just turn me on? A spark. So then I went down this crazy rabbit hole of YouTube girls kissing videos, which it wasn't even the 18 plus, it was just like, so you can imagine how PG this was. And I had an orgasm without any touch. Like I was just watching these like really? PG rated girls kissing, and I orgasmed, and I was like, freaked out because I was like oh that's not good am I a gay I'm right <laughs> exactly am I going to I'm a heterosexual this? monogamous married woman I cannot be and it wasn't until years later that I was like okay now that I'm not married mm -hmm. now that you know clearly I can't be in a monogamous relationship like maybe I should try women maybe that's been my problem um, but the woman I dated was polyamorous and there so she was like you know polyamory is the way to go so I was polyamorous for, we'll say, six months, six ex exhausting months. I believe that people are born polyamorous in the same way that they're born, like, queer, straight. Like with the capacity for it. Because it is a lot. Have you guys ever been poly? Or? We, we know a lot of friends who are we're kind of a, a very small intersection with, like, a big community of friends of ours where, like, we've slept with a couple of those girls who are all part of, like, a 16-person poly family and they raise their kids together and they're, like, and I respect the fuck out of them. Like, yeah. we know them. We go to Burning Man with them every year. Like, I see it and I go, this works for some people. To me, that's a, a lot of work. But also, was her primary partner a man or a woman? Um, or one of her, her primary I actually partners. don't know. She had a man and a woman okay. and they were her, at the time, I think they were both. Like I think so, like a triplet. Yeah. And then there was you and 
others. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it just was a lot of feelings. We talked about feelings more than I've ever talked about feelings in my whole entire life. It requires so much communication so to make much. that work. And especially I feel like that's not part. respected enough. Like yeah. People talk about polyamory as if it's like this free-for-all, like everybody just has to orgies all the time. And mm. I'm like, polyamory is like... Therapy every morning. Yeah. Group talks yeah. every morning. Polyamorous couples are like serious. Like that's, that's amazing. Like hats off the respect I have. So anyway, after that I was like, okay, so I like the openness of this, but I don't necessarily love the multiple relationships that was too mm-hmm. much so I was in a few open relationships and I really really loved that um, I have a few kinks that just play really well into open relationships and I met this couple one time and they were monogamous at home but when he or she traveled or when they traveled together they were open or they would go to these Ooh, parties or spicy. events. Spicy. I'm here and for I it. And I really liked it because it cut down on the drama in the area. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I really struggle with in open relationships is that unintentionally, you know, if your partner, so in, in the relationships I was in, my partner had been with other women when I wasn't there. And, you know, there were rules and boundaries and stuff like that. But um, there were times where it was like, the other women were getting a little bit off on the idea thinking that I didn't know or that yep. they were getting something. And I, I really didn't like that. And I don't want to have to establish my dominancy. I don't want to have to like step in or make things weird. Mm-hmm. And so I really, that's when I kind of like landed in this monogamish. Because I was like, there are times in my life I will want to be monogamous. And there are times, but I cannot imagine being with one person for the rest of my life till death do I part. Forever and ever, amen. Yeah. So I like this monogamish because probably I'll, probably, I'll definitely want to have threesomes again at some point. Mm-hmm. I'll want to feel like I can play and I, I mm-hmm. want that to be a part of the conversation. No, oh, that's beautiful. I love, <clears throat> I love when we're, whenever we hear a new container agreement within a couple, like that specific one I think is actually brilliant that, you know, whatever, they're monogamous at home, and then when they travel, it can be open because, A, it keeps your friend group more protected. Like, I think a lot of the times, like, if you're polyamorous or doing things in your hometown, it gets messy, and then if you break up with someone, you live with them, or you go to work with them, like, and it can get so close to home, you kind of, like, what's it called, where you, like, shit where you eat or something, you know, but the idea that, yeah, we'll go to, like, a swingers cruise, yeah, when we go down to Mexico or Costa Rica, we'll do it, and then back home, you kind of focus on on your bond, I think Mm -hmm. that is. That's that's kind of, like, one of our top um, what should I say? That's one of that's one of the things that I think we look for the most is like someone we can go on adventures with and then come back and like be our own separate selves. But it also yeah. happens that we tend to find a lot of people where we're living. So it's like even if we meet them where we live, we travel, but then they come back and we're still around them. But Los Angeles is a place with a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of options. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people who come just for tourist season and then they leave. That's <laughs> true. But we do have you know certain friends who like who live near us. And when things have gone bad, I feel bad because we know that they're mm-hmm. only 20 minutes away. And, and when we have to cut ties, they're like, I know, like we're running into them at the same yeah. gyms and we're seeing them. And it's like, oh, we had a really bad falling out. Like, and now all of our friends know. And it's mm-hmm. like, it, it doesn't happen often. But I, I do think, especially for you guys who talk to me about being in a small town, you don't want to be on Tinder because you don't want people to find out or what, you know, what's your mm-hmm. church going to think. It's like, go on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere else. Change your names. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. you know, your partnership is more important than like bringing the whole town in on the gossip. What would today be your ideal relationship container? Like when you say monogamous, what does that mean to you? Um, I would want to be with someone 
Uh, actually, that's a great idea. That's really tough because part of me says like I would want to be with someone and maybe monogamous to start, to give it some time, but I actually don't even know if that's true. And would it primarily be a man or a woman? Man, definitely man. Mm -hmm. I only see myself in a long-term relationship with the more masculine. I mean, I could be wrong. It could, mm -hmm. it could change, but that's where I see it now. Um, I, yeah, I just, I really like the idea of having a container um, where we right away have like boundaries and rules, like this is what is exclusive to you, this is what's exclusive to us. Um, you know, when we are ready or when we do want to do something else, we talk about it like beforehand. It's not gonna come up when I'm like out, out with my friends and he meets somebody and he's oh, like, by hey, the by the way, would it be okay if we did this? You know, like I don't want that situation. Yeah. Um, but like, what do you think would be okay with you? Like, would you be okay if you each went off and had other romantic partners or just physical or would you do things together? Like, No, I like the idea of doing things together. That's like, and I'm, this is all hypothetical. So mm -hmm. in a hypothetical, it would be, we do things together. Traveling, I think is something that's different. So if you're traveling or I'm traveling, it's open. So if he's on a business trip, full reign for... That's right. So there are certain things okay. like, for me, waking up next to someone is very intimate. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had a lot of partners who really struggle sleeping in bed with someone else. So when I have that with a partner, it's very intimate to me. It's To me, it's way more intimate than sex. So mm -hmm. that's something that I've always been like, okay, I don't care that you hook up with a girl, but I would really like if you didn't wake up next don't, to her. Don't spend the night. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um you know, always be careful, like condoms, you know, like get tested yeah, people, don't get be nasty. Tested often. <laughs> don't be those gross. kinds of things. Like there's definitely like that kind of rule. Um do you, any and boundaries then, that surprise you? What? Uh, boundaries that surprise you? Like like for example with me and Key, like even if we have full sex with someone, I don't like it if he holds their hand. That makes me want to kill someone. Yeah. Like, do you have anything that feels weird to you? Um, like, not spending the night. I've heard that. That makes sense because it can be very intimate. But that's where feelings come in after, too. Like, when your hormones are all yeah. crazy and, and then you're snuggling and then you start, like, bonding with someone, you're like, snip, snip, stop. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't I can't think of any offhand. No, just the waking up next to is really is really meaningful it's pretty, to me. Pretty standard. Yeah, pretty makes standard. Sense. Okay. I, think. I, I want veto power. Like, mm -hmm. if I meet her and there's some sort of weird energy. Crazy bitch. And I've, I've never had this happen, but I just know that I want to feel like I have that power, you know? I think it's important because then you can trust your partner where he can come up with these options, like what you do with me all the time, where it's like, hey, like, some weeks I'll be like, so there's this person, this person, this person, any of these work, and I'll be like, mm, and then we just move on. And he's not trying to convince me or push it. It's funny that you said, like, veto power, and you're like, it's never really happened. It's like the opposite with me and Julia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try that the again. It's with me and Lily. <laughs> I feel like everything is vetoed, and then I'm like, I'm like hoping that there's a <laughs> yes. That's hilarious. That's what true. makes it for you? Like, what makes it a yes? I mean, obviously Nothing. new. Oh, everything God. is automatically vetoed until yeah, the point where I don't I'm want it anymore, so and then it's a yes. And then I'm picky, like, which I feel bad about, but it helped me a lot. We heard. Was it some video we were watching that talked about the filter mechanism in men and women, mm -hmm. and how naturally. Some women just have like a much tighter grade of filter mechanism, which right. I think from all the evidence in my life, I think I just have like a really, really strong filter because after I've met him, I haven't even been interested. Like I've slept with like two guys in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in other dudes. Like I don't like most people. Like it's not necessarily that like I think I'm better than most people, but like just walking around, like going to nightclubs, being at parties, I just look around. I'm like, I, you all look like hamsters. Like I'm just, yeah. I don't feel anything for it. Even like attractive dudes, attractive girls, most of the time, like, I don't feel shit for you. Like, I know you're not going to make my life better. This is so much energy for me. Like, if mm -hmm. I don't feel like you've earned the time with me, it's like this weird power play. 
So basically any girl like above a six or seven, he's like, this person's nice, this person can work, this person's fun. I'm like, doesn't make me f- like, yeah. like if, I don't know, which is hard because I'm so picky. Yeah. I'm goddamn picky, but at least I'm picky with everyone. I'm not just like Selective. cutting it off with him. Um, I will say I'm the same though. I, like open poly relationships, I can't say there's ever been another man than the like I'll say the primary man in my life that I wanted to like go for. Mm-hmm. Like I've kind of done stuff, you know, at like a group event or you know when I was in this polyamorous relationship, I did stuff with her partner, but it was very limited and it wasn't really. It was just kind of like. We're all there, and we're but might it, as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I've never had that urge. I've never, if I'm in even an open relationship, I've never had the urge to be like, you know, hey, I'm gonna go off with this guy. I know it's right. strange, but it just, I. So, yeah. so back to the thing that she said. They say that like, girls like because they have to raise a child for like nine months. Like biologically, they don't want to have as many partners because they have to really be picky about who they're gonna. Mm-hmm. Well, there's know. more risks associated yeah. for us. And and you know you. Biologically, you want to pick someone who's probably going to be there for nine months, protect you during that right. time. But uh, but then they talked about how men, it's not the case. You know, men, right. we can just sleep with the woman and then just leave. You mm-hmm. know, so for us, it's more about like, you know, numbers. It's like more about like trying to get lots well, of different. Well, the more eloquent way of saying is that technically on the chart, women tend to sleep with their rankings and up, and men mm-hmm. sleep with their rankings and down. Mm-hmm. Right? Men will get basically anyone at their ranking and then anything else that moves, and women will go, you have to be at my level or above. So it, it tends to split in different directions, which just automatically mean women tend to be pickier, which is not obviously all cases. Um, and out of my experience, the unicorns that we've had tend to be a little bit looser on the filter mechanism where they can be like, you know, I have a checklist. I want to ha- you know, have sex with someone with glasses and red hair and someone with an accent. And they just go and find that. And they're more yeah. open to like doing it for the experience. Like they're more likely to be the people who order like weird food at restaurants just because they want the cool experience. It's not yeah. like I want to have the best food and the most like you know, A-plus partners, it's like, I want to have cool stories to talk about someday. Yeah. And they kind of come at it more from that. But for me, I feel like my cup is already so full mm-hmm. with key, like, my love and the security and, like, I know we're going to have kids someday and, like, my life partner is so secure that I'm like, unless you're going to give me a lot of tingles or do something really good for me, I'm like, it's so much work. Yeah. I'm to clean my house and shave and take you on a date and, like, talk about all these things. <laughs> like, I would rather watch a movie or edit a video oh, or just take so my dog funny. to the beach. Like... I don't, you have to, I feel like you explain better what I like. I don't even know what I like, and then you say it, and I'm always like, mm. She likes really powerful people. Yeah. Really powerful, embodied, confident women with tattoos and badass. Yeah. Like the most badass you call, girls you, call you can them imagine. dragons. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, like, I like lots of different things. But, <laughs> but like, I'm okay with like more innocent people as well, and like that mm-hmm. sort of soft, like, I like that energy. But Lily hates that energy. She wants like badass people she doesn't like those soft people who are like not really confident in themselves who need okay. guidance she wants yeah. someone to like show her yeah. well, which is way. weird too because as we said like in the past we've tended to go with people who it was their first time but I like them where they're confident and it's their first time yeah. it's this really weird apex where I'm like I don't want you to be shy if you're mm-hmm. timid oh no not me if you're unconfident you need you know you need to lift up your self-esteem I'm like mm-hmm. I can't do like I don't want to have to babysit you I don't want to deal with this yeah. but if you're like you really want it, and I can tell you're going to work for it, and it's going to mean a lot to you, and, like, you're really kind of a a powerful person. I'm like, ooh. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's kind of a sexy, like, power play on your part because you're a very confident person, and you know that you know how to have a threesome. Mm -hmm. So someone who is also really confident and powerful, and then they're coming into the bedroom, but you've got this, like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a sexy... um, like almost like a sexy dom thing, even if you're mm-hmm. not dom, like it's it's a bit of that like yeah yeah, which is interesting, right? Because I I just realized with a girl that we're 
spending time with recently, who <laughs> shall remain nameless, she's very feminine. And I was like, sometimes when we're around like really feminine girls for interview, I'm like, I start feeling like a dude. Like, mm. you know, when they got boobs and they're really girly and they're yeah, just yeah. like, they're really giggly. I'm like, oh, you're adorable. Like, is this how... Yeah, I feel that often. Often I feel that. I'm like, am I a man? Am I? Like, have I been a man this whole time? Yeah, I'm like, I I don't normally feel masculine when I'm in the presence of my partner, but when it's me and then another girl, I'm like, no, I'm definitely the more masculine of the two. And one of them said, she's like, oh, I like how you have, like, such strong masculine energy. I was like, bitch, do I? (laughs) Like, I fucking guess, but maybe I'll just go with that. Because I I remember a couple times, like, during threesomes, feeling, like, more in charge or wanting to do a certain thing with her and being like, this feels like the dude's job. Like, is this wrong? Should I not be doing mm-hmm. this? And I was like, no, I think that's just my vibe. Yeah. Like, as long as I'm aware of that now, I'm like, okay. Like, it's sexy. It feels good. Yeah. What do you look for in women? <laughs> um, confidence is huge. But confidence for me in a partner, at like, it's like a period. You have to be confident. Because I am too, I am too confident to handle somebody. Like you're saying, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to hold your self-esteem. I'm not going to fake an orgasm. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy what I like, and if you're easily intimidated, probably being with me is not going to be a lot of fun for either of us. So, confidence. It's helpful. <laughs> um, in women in particular, so, I like, yeah, I like sexy, like, confident in their sexuality, someone who has experience. Um, <coughs> <laughs> Someone who's playful, good sense of humor, obviously, is super, super important. Um, And then I guess I want to say relaxed because I'm, like I said, I'm not interested in a long-term relationship with a woman. And so if I am engaging or playing, I want it to feel playful and fun. I don't want to feel like I'm breaking her heart or um, I remember this one woman, the last time I saw a girl like solo, it's just her and I, I thought we were on the same page. We would go for wine, we'd hook up, it'd be super fun. She never spent the night. Um, We were both seeing other people. Like, we were just very Mm -hmm. honest, very playful, super sexy. And then we met up with some friends, and and she was like, do you want to tell them, or do you want me to? And I was like, what do we need to tell them? What are we telling them? And she, like, grabs my hand, and she's like, Jenna and I have been seeing each other for a few months now. And I was like... Have we? My heart was in my feet, and I didn't want to embarrass her, but also I was like... We are not, nothing about this is dating. We're not, we're not together. No, that. So that's the last time I've actually saw a woman, like, just me and her, because I was like, I can't do that to another girl. Oh, no. Like, it how, felt so awful. How'd that conversation go after? You're like, hey, hon, you know we're not a fit, like... Well, I think I kind of, like, never broke up. I think I just, like, phased her out, and then one day she's like, hey, I met a guy, and I was like, yeah, me too. Oh, no. So... Oh, no. Bummer. Guess this is over. Okay, we got nine minutes left. Accidentally, which means we are now in the fire round. So the question was, have you had a threesome? The answer is yes. Yes. Um, What has been, one, in general, your favorite thing about having threesomes? Um, I mean, one of my kinks is seeing someone that I'm into get pleasured by somebody else. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty hot. I I really enjoy seeing my partner get pleasure with another person. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like being a part of that is really fun and I think a bit of what you said um I find often with threesomes I'm the I just feel like I've done so many of them that I'm a bit like the facilitator mm-hmm. so sometimes it's the like conductor of the yeah like giving people a really amazing experience like even if they've done it before like just helping them like really really enjoy themselves and because of mm-hmm. what I know and what I do for a living it's like I can be really really helpful mm-hmm. so 
I think that that it's fun to be playful. It's fun to explore it and add that new dynamic. And what is often your least favorite thing about having threesomes? Uh, um, <coughs> lack of like clear boundaries. So new rules popping up. <coughs> Still choking on the water, baby. Okay. <laughs> We're good. <coughs> lack of boundaries. Eyes watering. <coughs> Feel great. Lack of boundaries. I fuck things up. It's bad. <laughs> yes, lack of boundaries, um, like surprise rules that come up right in the middle, mm -hmm. or um, you know, people who don't feel like they can communicate, and so it, it gets, you know, you're asking questions and there's no answers, or it's mm -hmm. awkward, or it's, you know, those missteps. Um, that's, I find that really, really hard, challenging. If you could have a threesome with anyone, dead or alive, oh, who yeah. would it be? Um, uh, Marilyn Monroe for sure. Like I would younger? want her to be there. Or? I mean, like, she never got old. That's, I mean, <laughs> relative. <laughs> um, I would just really like to know what she's like in bed for sure. Okay. So definitely her. And, okay, this is a weird one. Um, I actually listened to your podcast before I came on, oh. and I heard this question. And so I was like, who would I? Um, I know this is super weird. I hope he never listens to this podcast. But there's a guy named Gil Headley who like specializes in fascia, like body fascia. Oh. And I have like this nerd crush on him. You know when you like someone's just like really geeky Sexy, about stuff crush. that you're into. Um, he's like definitely old enough to be my father, possibly more than that. But I just like wonder what he would be like. So I'm imagining like him with Marilyn Monroe. You have a lot of curiosity. I on. just really would love to see that go down. So, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't want this to be over. I have so many questions. Guys, if you adore her as much as we do, we will have her back again. Um, <laughs> last thing, do you have any final thoughts, wisdom for our, our beautiful humans? No, I think, like, the fact that you're listening to a podcast called How to Have a Threesome says a lot of amazing things about you as a listener. I think that the fact you listened to this entire episode is also saying a lot about you as a human. And I am inspired by people who are willing to do things outside of the heterosexual norm mm -hmm. or the societal cookie cutter that has clearly not been working for a long time. Mm -hmm. And people who are brave enough, even just by listening to a podcast, to like entertain explore. yeah, and explore and hear people's opinions that are going to be very different than their own, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's really amazing. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, you should be super, super proud of yourself, mm -hmm. even just for doing that. Oh. And then if people want to get in touch with you, how should they find you? How do you want them to reach out? Um, I'll give you a link to my website. So okay. I have an orgasm workbook that people can download. That'll be for free on that mm -hmm. um, link that I'll give to you. So my website is jennaswitzer.com, and I'm on Instagram at jenna underscore switzer. Okay, we will link her in the show notes and post about her on the Instagram. We love you guys. Thank you for checking in today, and we'll see you next time. Yoo! <laughs>